Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual path of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, uh, union, or unity. It refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature. We could say yoga is being restored to our original wholeness, abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self or self-realization. And yoga is not, of course, just knowing this, but then realizing it is being able to live in harmony with it. Our topic today is meditation as the royal path of awakening. We'll be looking at how meditation connects us with our inner power, that it's a gateway to joy, peace, and spiritual realization. And we'll be discovering why it's so important for us and how we can begin or enhance our practice right away. Joining us today is Swami Bodhananda Saraswati. Swamiji is an accomplished teacher of Vedanta, meditation, and management. He's founder and spiritual director of the Sambod Society, which has a ashram in uh, in the U.S. Uh, headquarters in Kalamazoo, Michigan. But he also directs several other ashrams and organizations, including the Bodhananda uh, Research Foundation for Management and Leadership Studies in India. He's the author of 20 books. Among his books are Meditation, The Awakening, 
of Inner Powers, Self-Unfoldment in an Interactive World, Seven Hindu Spiritual Laws of Success, the Gita and Management, Indian Management and Leadership Management, and the Mahabharata, and Rishi Vision. You can find out more about Swamiji's work at their website, sambodh.org, and that's S-A-M-B-O-D-H dot org. Welcome, Swamiji. I'm so delighted you could join us on the Yoga Hour today. Thank you, Reverend Ellen. Thank you very much. Before we begin our dialogue about meditation, let's take just a moment um, to do that, to have just a short centering meditation. Let us open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. Let us recognize one reality called by many names that is the support and the substance of all that is. So when we meditate, we acknowledge that we are meditating in that, in that divine essence that it is present as me, as you, as everyone, as everything it is around us, within us, between us, all is God. We are meditating in God. So in this moment, simply move your attention from the periphery of your awareness into the depths of your being. And you can do that with your intention and you can use your breath to help you. So when you breathe in, just feel and intend that you are drawing your awareness within. And when you breathe out, feel that you're letting go and relaxing. Feel the cool air entering your nostrils, the warm air flowing out. Just being aware of the breathing Remembering you are meditating in the one, and that is your divine life, not separate from you. And as we follow our breath, we begin to experience our thoughts starting to settle. And when they do, When the thought activity subsides, we can experience our essential nature that is pure and still, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. And when we touch that, even for just a moment, even for just an instant, peace fills the mental field, the emotional nature, our physical body. So let us inwardly intend to let this peace overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere.
first segment today, we're going to take a look at the path of that is called Raja Yoga and um, what it tells us about meditation. There are several different paths of yoga, but they all really share the same goal of spiritual awakening. And four of the main paths that are identified, just the generic terms in a sense for different types of yoga are bhakti yoga, the way of devotion, karma yoga, the way of selfless service, jnana yoga, the way of inquiry and uh, scriptural study, and raja yoga, which is called the royal way that emphasizes meditation. Swamiji, let's start there with um, telling us about uh, how you define raja yoga and um, its emphasis on meditation. Uh, in the very outset, let me thank you for offering that wonderful meditation, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And uh, the word Raja Yoga actually is used in the Bhagavad Gita. The ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita is titled Raja Gukhya and Raja Yoga. But these days, the Raja Yoga is used to differentiate Patanjali's Ashtanga Yoga method from the other yogas discussed in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, Raja Yoga means the king among yogas. So the four yoga methods taught in the Indian wisdom tradition, the Raja Yoga as taught by Patanjali and also described in the Bhagavad Gita is the most effective method which anybody can practice without any religious uh, uh, faith. So Raja Yoga does not require any faith uh, in a book on an unseen God as uh, required by religions. That is why the universal appeal of Raja Yoga we find in the world today. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's appropriate for anyone, those who practice a particular religion or none. Um, although it, it, it does seem that if one comes to the path of Raja Yoga uh, without any faith, um, simply by the nature of discovering uh, the essence of our being, you know, one uh, one has uh, would have a spiritual awakening. I would think. <laughs> Yeah, and and yet, and so Raja Yoga, of course, also touches, um, as we walk the path, we find there is some connection that arises, you know, as I mentioned, to the opening of our uh, spirituality. But how do you see Raja Yoga connected to these other main branches of yoga, bhakti, karma, or jnana yoga? Raja Yoga gives the basic discipline It uh, teaches you how to discipline your body, your emotions, your thinking process, and then realize your innate uh, spiritual splendor, your spiritual nature. And uh, Bhakti Yoga is uh, developing the heart. It is the language of the heart. And Jnana Yoga is the language of the head. And karma yoga, I should say, the language of the stomach and the hands. And yes. raja yoga is the language of the lungs or the or the breath. Mm. Mm. 
And and that is and, because of the techniques that we find in Raja Yoga. Mm-hmm. Raja Yoga. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, all these yogas are mutually reinforcing. When you become a true bhakta, then you automatically, naturally practice Raja Yoga because mm-hmm. you learn how to sit quiet. You learn how to direct your energies toward the higher. So all these yogas are not uh, independent of each other. They are mutually uh, reinforcing and mutually mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. I think a good Raja Yogi will be a good bhakta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, and, it, it, and it seems that the recognition, you know, that these different paths, of course, are um, a way for people who um, have a certain temperament. You know, if they're more devotional, they might begin, you know, with bhakti yoga, or if they're more intellectual, begin with jnana yoga, um, or, you know, if they're very interested in step-by-step methodology, something systematic, then raja yoga. But it does seem to me that, you know, all the paths um, culminate in karma yoga, um, because, you know, they bring this awakening and, you know, once we awaken to oneness, what is left except to serve, right? <laughs> right. You cannot avoid karma. You cannot avoid work. Work is a necessary condition in which human beings live. Nobody can avoid work. So as a yogi, you naturally become a karma yogi also. In in your uh, there's a description of your book meditation the awakening of inner powers that's on uh, the Sambod Society website that says meditation is not opposed to activity it is not opposed to thought but on the contrary becomes nourishment for our thinking and our activities. Activity and meditation infuse energy into one another and create a wholeness of experience. Ultimately, meditation is a state of total love for everything in the universe. Now, you have woven all the strands of bhakti, jnana, and karma, and raja together in that beautiful statement. So, let's sort of take it apart and look at those a little more more deeply as you say meditation is not opposed to activity it's not opposed to thought um, but becomes nourishment for our thinking and our activities so how does that happen with meditation what makes that so meditation means seeing the wholeness of the universe the universe is one single web and every individual is part of that universe that unity vision is the purpose of meditation So once we gain that unity vision, we are able to use the mind and the body and and function in the world as a part of the world. So functioning in the world as part of the universe with that acute awareness that I am part of the universe is the ultimate fruit of meditation. So it is only through activity that you can explore and express your potential. So meditation also is an experience of exploring and expressing your potential through work. Mm-hmm. So meditation is not simply sitting on a mat and then closing your eyes. That is the beginning of meditation. Mm-hmm. 
But ultimate fruit of meditation is dynamically interacting with the world while you are exploring and expressing your potential. And your potential is infinite. There is mm-hmm. no end. Mm-hmm. So yes. that will be the final experience of meditation. And that's such a beautiful way to express it. I think, you know, so often um, people think of meditation, you, you know, as a, an end in itself, you know, that we're, we're, we want to become skilled in meditation um, for its own sake. Um, and forgetting that meditation is really a tool for conscious living, you know, that is its purpose, as you say, you know, to um, be able to be awake and aware, uh, to bring this vision of unity uh, into our into our actions um, and to to be clear when we're in the world to have clear seeing you know clear thinking to have our our thoughts and our speech and our deep you know soul intentions uh, aligned and meditation you know makes that possible for us by uh, clearing um, the mind and so we're not um, you know, in a state of fragmented consciousness or, you know, so confused. Um, so tell me um, how it is that you see meditation um, brings total love uh, for everything in the universe. That's a beautiful statement. Meditation helps you to get in touch with your own infinite resource. Every individual has that infinite resource, which is called the Atman, the pure consciousness. And the pure consciousness, the seat of love, its nature is love. Its nature is abundance, energy. So once we are in touch with that infinite resource, we are able to share and we are able to give. So meditation is this unconditional giving. And the more we give, the more we receive from our own inner resource. Mm, mm, it's meditation become a loving person. Mm. Because it is through loving he discovers himself. So self-discovery is a continuous process. It is not a, an event. <laughs> it's a continuous process. It is yeah. a continuous arousal. Yes, and it you know we we may have insight into the nature of the self in meditation, but as you say, um, it's a continuous process, and so it, it becomes you know stabilized as we are able to be in the world, um, and as they say, not of it, <clears throat> engaged you know from the deepest self. So um, we'll, we're going but to take a break. We will not be able to be away from the world. We are part of the world like a, a strand or a thread is part of a fabric mm-hmm. or a leaf is part of a tree. So exactly. there is no way that the individual can be away from the world. The individual yeah. is part of the world. And so we so want to... One has to we want to learn yes. to be in the world consciously. 
Um, we're going to take a break now, and then when we come back, we'll continue this a conversation about meditation. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest, Swami Bodhananda Saraswati. You can find out more about his publications and his work at sambod, S-A-M-B-O-D-H dot org. And we'll be right back with you. Thank you. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed? and there's no other door in sight. In her book, Ask Yourself This, Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. The lost job can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. Warning. After listening to the Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Rev. Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program and experience the Oneness Blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time, on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guest today is Swami Bodhananda Saraswati, and he is the author of Meditation, Awakening of Inner Powers, as well as several other books. But today, that's our topic, Meditation. 
in the uh, Yoga Sutra, um, Patanjali describes eight steps or limbs of yoga, and meditation is identified as the seventh limb and samadhi uh, as the eighth. So we're going to take a look at how these limbs uh, leading up to meditation are supportive uh, of it. You know, we've uh, explored on earlier episodes on the Yoga Hour, uh, the Yamas and Niyamas in greater detail, but let's just take a look this morning at, you know, how cultivation of the virtues, the Yamas and the Niyamas, relate to meditation. You know, they're the first first steps that are required for us. So why is that, Swamiji? How do you, how do you see that? I see the we face certain obstacles in our in the self discovery, in our pursuit of knowing ourselves. And the obstacles are extreme likes and dislikes, which we have gathered from our past uh, interaction with the world. Extreme likes and dislikes. Because of the extreme likes and dislikes, we are not able to go deep into ourselves. Uh, Padanjali prescribed these yamas and nemas, ethical virtues, to neutralize the impact of likes and dislikes. When we interact with the world, we react in extreme terms, extreme like, extreme dislike. And that creates a lot of cloud and clutter and, and fluff in the mind which is called the mala in, in Sanskritam. So to reduce this, uh, uh, the reactions of the mind, one has to practice yama and nema while we are interacting with the world. So yama and niyamas cannot be practiced in isolation, in a cave or a, or a monastery. It has to be practiced while you are investing your energy in the world, interacting with the people, and uh, working in the world, we have to practice the yamas and nemas. Mm-hmm. And the crux of the yama and nema is non-reaction and appropriate action. Mm-hmm. And yeah, non-reaction, is, non-reaction is a violent reaction uh, controlled by the world. Mm-hmm. When the world provokes you, then it is reaction. Mm-hmm. And you choose your responses, rea- responses it becomes appropriate response. Mm-hmm. So Yamanima help you to neutralize the likes and dislikes and, uh, and uh, bring more, more clarity to the mind. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful explanation. I, and I have all, often visualized, you know, in my mind of the, these eight uh, steps of uh, yoga meditation as more of a circle than a ladder <laughs> in the sense that um, we have this foundation, yamas and niyamas, that purify the mind, you know, through right thinking and right action and right understanding. And um, this helps us, you know, to be able to meditate because the mind and the heart are purified. And then, of course, meditation it further clarif- clarifies the, the mind and um, we are able then to, to live in a, in a more harmonious way, practicing yama and niyama. So these, as you say, help us to um, 
uh, overcome these extreme likes and dislikes, which really are a part of I- identifying, you know, those are building blocks of ego. <laughs> so is this identifying ourselves, you know, as uh, separate from everyone else instead of being able to see our divine connection and, uh, so yama and niyama and meditation, all of that helps us to, I think, you know, change our identification from this false self uh, to the true self. Yes. It's, it's, hello? Yes. It's, it's part of the flight and fight response, you know, which we have gathered through uh, millennia as an evolutionary tool. So it is not that easy to overcome these extreme reactions because mm-hmm. it has been built into our limbic system. Mm-hmm. So one has to work over a period of time to understand that we are living in a different world where we are, the world is not our enemy. We can synergize with the world, create win-win situations, integrate the interests of the other, in our uh, pursuit of our interests. Thus, when we have a different vision of the world, uh, we will be able to reduce the likes and dislikes, the biases, the prejudices, and Mm -hmm. the fear of the other. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and now we have research, of course, that is showing us that meditation actually uh, changes the brain in a positive way um, to help us overcome, you know, some of those uh, old um, patterns. Um, so let's let's move on to the next um, limb after yama and niyama. We have asana and. Um, you know, it is recommended, of course, that we ha- we sit still <laughs> when we meditate, although, of course, ultimately we want to be able to meditate while we're eyes open in the world to carry that meditative yeah. consciousness. But uh, tell me your advice, Swamiji, about asana, the best posture for meditation. Asana can be understood as an ability to sit quiet to not be bothered by the body. So, the body has a certain claim over us, and sometimes we are not able to manage the body's claim. So the body demands more and more, and we give in and we indulge in the body. So if we can discipline the body, so that the body doesn't put enormous claim on your energy, uh, and that is experienced as, suppose you are sitting, you are able to sit in a steady way. If you are walking, you are able to walk steadily. If you are driving, you are able to focus on the drive rather than on the body. So that ability to handle the body very gracefully uh, without uh, investing much energy into that, that that kind of a felicity with the body, mm. the ability to feel the body, like a dancer. A dancer mm-hmm. also has a posture. She, she is assuming various asanas. And when you sit on a chair straight with your chest up, out, uh, you know, chest uh, thrust forward, thrusted forward, 
and with the stomach going in, if you can sit straight, that also is an asana. If you can walk steadily, it is an asana. So asana should not be misunderstood as simply sitting in Patmasana. Mm-hmm. Asana is the graceful way you handle your body. Mm-hmm. And the and the verse in um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, this uh, Stira Sukham Asana, has this um, component, as you're describing, of a kind of sweetness, right? A kind of uh, happiness in um, when the body is aligned, because then the uh, spiritual energy, the the prana, um, can flow freely, and uh, right. the body the body is open. So, you know, sometimes people think, you know, well, in order to be able to meditate successfully, I I must master the full lotus posture. So maybe they're sitting, but their body is in pain. Um, but it would pain be better <laughs> to sit in a chair and be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So the asana helps you to discover your center. So when you are centered, you are aligned with the rhythm of the universe or the earth. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel the gravity. So the, if you, in any posture where you escape the grip of the gravity, is an asana, I should say. Mm, um, and and you can feel that, and so I think for you know listeners who are trying to discover well what is the best posture for meditation, it's just a simple adjustment um, to where you're comfortable, but the body is um, alert, and there is a free flowing of the prana of the energy that contributes to being able to be awake and aware. Um, and let us move on to pranayam, which is a very important uh, aspect of meditation. Um, <clears throat> tell us about um, its role as a support for meditation. When we are able to sit uh, with uh, in the right posture or walk with the right posture or con- organize, conduct the body in a, in a balanced way, then the prana start flowing freely then you are able to breathe deeply. And by practicing deep breathing, rhythmic deep breathing, we are able to uh, balance the body. And by balancing the body, we are able to breathe deeply. Mm. So uh, pranayama is a very important limb in, in meditation, in awakening your energies. Mm-hmm. And, and again, yeah, it can... It contributes to that free flow of energy, you know, flowing up into the higher centers, um, contributing to us being able to be um, awake and aware and focused. It cools down the nervous system. It tones the muscles. And uh, it gives you an extra energy uh, it uh, it uh, helps you sit in alertness and uh, in a wakeful condition. Otherwise, when we sit for meditation or whatever activity we are doing, we tend to sleep. Mm-hmm. We tend to sleep uh, tired, exhausted. So pranayama gives you the extra supply of energy. Mm-hmm. It is your energy. Mm-hmm. And those energies are locked up in various parts of the body. So the prana can kick up that energy and make you feel inspired. 
Mm-hmm. That is true. And it really help you be able to uh, uh, focus for meditation. It's like opening up the tap, you know, where the water flows uh, and having it flow uh, freely. And it, it is so supportive of the concentration that we need um, for clarity in our meditation. And the the next limb is um, yeah, Pratyahara. explaining meditation here, not as a... Uh, and even we are explaining expe- uh, understanding meditation as a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Lifelong yes. process. From after, morning till evening, you can be in meditation. Uh, yeah. And that is the goal, really. That's that is the goal. goal. Yeah. That our, just, goal. our separate time is just uh, pra- like the uh, training. Yes. <laughs> it's the training yes. for the, for the rest of the day. Swimming, if you want to learn swimming, you go to the swimming pool and jump into the shallow part of the swimming pool, and slowly you move into the deeper part. And once you master the swimming, you can swim anywhere. You don't say, I can swim only in the swimming pool, which I am familiar with. Mm-hmm. This is true. I'm, I'm thinking about in our tradition, uh, Kriya Yoga, Lahiri Mahashaya, um, there's a photograph, and maybe you have seen this photograph of him, you know, with his eyes are um, just partially open. And, you know, it is sort of indicative of, you know, what, what he has written about always abiding in this meditative consciousness, you know, which, you know, he instructed you know, to take that with you wherever you went and not become overly involved in the world. And, you know, he was a a householder, so he was working, he was in the world, but he was an accomplished yogi. So always he, you know, he was always meditating. In our tradition, Krishna, let me go to the mythology. Krishna was an accomplished yogi, but he is supremely active. Mm -hmm. He drives the chariot, he dances with the gobis. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he, he play on the flute and he engages in uh, mischievous activities <laughs> yeah, yeah he, in, he was, in the world awake and so much joy right so much joy very enriched layered and uh, flowery meditation uh, dynamic meditation. yes and um, let us also um, talk a little bit about Prachahara before we come to the time of the break. So we've talked about asana, pranayama, and what about Prachahara? Prachahara is, the word meaning is Pradi Aharadi. You are turning the attention of the mind towards the self. As the mind is involved in the world, Interacting with the world, the mind develops a certain sensitivity toward the self, meaning deepening the mind. So that the worldly experiences does not uproot and upset the mind. Because the mind has a certain depth now. Mm-hmm. So that deepening of the mind while you are interacting with the world is called the pratyahara. So the, you have room the, inside, you have the, enough mental room mm. so that you have leisure to respond to the world. You are not violently responding. Mm. 
So you are, in a sense, seated, your attention and awareness is seated in the self, in the higher true self. Yeah. Um, Paramahansa said it was um, disconnecting for meditation, Prachahara. He he said it was disconnecting the sense telephones. (laughs) You don't even have to disconnect. You don't even have to disconnect. I may not go to that extent because you can be, because you are involved in the world, but at the same time, you cho- since you have already mastered the art of choosing your response, the mental energy is available for the inside pursuit. Mm-hmm. Earlier, your mental energy was completely exhausted in the external pursuit. Now, while you are driving, while you are cooking, while you are striking a million-dollar business deal, you're also cons- uh, simultaneously aware of who you are, or you know that there is a deeper dimension to you. Mm. This That's is a beautiful explanation of Prachaharya. You fully yeah. realize, but you get the intimations, you get the faint uh, light from the deeper dimensions. Yeah, so it is being uh, established in the self in a way that you're not um, having to react to circumstances, but you can respond. Now, we're going to take another break, and when we get back, we'll we'll finish walking through these uh, limbs in our conversation about meditation. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Swami Bodhananda Saraswati. So we welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm, and we'll be right back with you. John is looking for adventure. Mumbai is a must-see, and the night safari, that's one for the life list. Joe is seeking a little Eastern enlightenment. As the Buddha said, it is better to travel well than to arrive. Both find peace in daily meditation. Both Joe and John will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th through May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spiritoftheeast. Transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life. How do you work in partnership with God to co-create the life that you've always imagined? One way is through the universe-responding spiritual model for life. Each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe-responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. 
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening uh, to today's program with Swami Bodhananda Saraswati. We're talking about meditation, and we've been sort of walking through the steps of Raja Yoga, Ashtanga Yoga, the eight uh, limbs of yoga. We've talked about asana, pranayama, prachahara. So we're going to begin uh, this last segment talking about dharana, which is usually uh, translated it as a concentration um, and oftentimes of course people associate concentration with effort but um, it's really different when we're meditating so Swamiji talk with us about um, this practice of dharana and um, how it is supportive of meditation and how it's different from what we think of as effort the, uh, we have already talked about pratyahara pratyahara is deepening the mind or developing the third eye. As you use the two eyes to see the world, simultaneously you develop a third eye to see the inner self. That feigned uh, development of the third eye is Pratyahara. And from Pratyahara, you get an insight into the nature of the self. And when, the, when you gain that insight, there is, you experience a tremendous attraction. That is why it becomes effortless. Dharana becomes effortless. Mm. Dharana is Chittasya Desha Bandhada. Dharana is an attraction that the mind feels for the self. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about I'm, the, the, the um, mystic poet Kabir uh, said, you know, when you are searching for God, when you're searching for the one, um, the, the yearning does all of the work. It's a beautiful <laughs> thought, you know, that there's so you this... You start inning. listening, you, you start hearing the whisper of the self. Mm-hmm. You start <laughs> getting the faint light of the self. Mm-hmm. And really My, then... It is a matter of when we begin to feel that um, yearning, that inner pull, the whisper, as you say, then dharana is really a matter of following it, right? Bringing our energy to it. Um, And then, of course, that naturally leads into meditation. It naturally leads us there. Dhyana is... That you cannot take your eyes off the beauty of the self. Mm. You, you mm. are helplessly in love with the self. You have your, your experience of the self is not distracted by any other experience. Those experiences are there, but still you are able to uh, have the awareness of the self. That is called mm. dhyanam. Yeah, that's such a beautiful description of meditation. And when we're there, you know, we don't we don't want anything else. We don't need don't anything else. We experience our innate wholeness, our completeness. 
um, which, you know, can be defined, of course, as divine love, right? Experiencing that essence of ourself. And then the, you know, the culmination, of course, is, is samadhi. Um, and I think experiencing that love, uh, that wholeness as the self, right? Right. That the God's love or the God's energy, the light. So then you come into samadhi. So samadhi is a state of uh, total, you are totally in love with uh, the inner self. Or you are awash with that experience. Mm. You are drowning in that experience. <laughs> and yeah, there, there is no, the, the you disappears, there's just the love. <laughs> the, yeah. the ego yeah. is completely dissolved in that overwhelming, boundary-breaking, category-negating experience. Mm. And uh, it becomes a state of spontaneous happiness. Mm. And uh, there Patanjali says, as the mind uh, uh, becomes pure and uh, dissolves into the consciousness, uh, like the light of the candle dissolving into the light of the sun, when the Mm. sun is bright in the sky. Mm. Mm. So when that happens, then uh, uh, the seeds of the past uh, habits, the habits that you acquired, uh, or the seeds of which are still there, are all completely burnt. Mm. Yes, and it, it, so this has a clarifying effect on the mental field. This is very important. It's sort of the, in, in a sense, the mechanics of how it works, <laughs> that that it has this purifying effect. It, it, it removes these, what we call the seeds of um, past uh, impressions or samskaras in, in the field. Right. But this, uh, I want to sort of bring it back to, you know, what we're, you were talking about initially, which is how this path... Um, frees us from being reactive and um, you know this is of course a very deep way that this occurs because then uh, we do not have these um, imprints you know arising from within us that contribute to us being reactive but our own minds our own bodies our own hearts are transformed by this practice perspective mm-hmm. and then once you are uh, in the established in that natural happiness, then you happily interact with the world, not for happiness. So that state of happy interaction with the world is uh, nirbija sahaja samadhi. Mm, yes. <laughs> Yes, eyes open, walking in the world free and uh, spontaneously uh, awake and aware. Now, in your work with Sambod Society, um, you really support people in taking this uh, spontaneous happiness, this inner spiritual power towards active and constructive uh, social service. So we have just a couple of minutes left here in the program this morning, but I think this is a good place for us to conclude to Tell us a little bit about how, you know, this kind of practice then that connects us to the truth of our being gets transformed into service for the good of all. That's what we teach. That's what I teach my devotees, my friends, my well-wishers, 
that it is only by invoking your spirit that you will be able to serve the society otherwise you will always expect something from the society in lieu of your service mm. so by knowing the self you gain the moral and the spiritual richness and authority to serve the world and it is only by serving the world you experience the self in full splendor because the self wanted it to express mm-hmm. like yeah. a tree want to flower and give the fruits similarly mm-hmm. the self want to express itself and the expression is possible in an interactive world mm-hmm. and we're we're all here um for divine purpose and um so to be able to fulfill that destiny you know not only to just awaken spiritually for ourselves but of course to be able to make a contribution um is very important it's important to the world but it is also i think the most satisfying uh, to the individual uh, to be able to uh, make some positive uh, contribution and, and the individual uh, individual redefines himself uh, that he discovers any where anybody suffers is suffering mhm mhm because yes. he develops that empathy for the whole world because he discovers he is the world mm. and the world is he or she mm. that is a beautiful place for us to conclude swami ji i want thank to thank you. you so much um for being a guest on the yoga hour today and i want to remind the listeners if you would like to learn more about swami bodhananda saraswati's uh, work with sambod society you can find out at sambod s a m b o d h .org and i'd like to invite you to listen in uh, next week when um we'll be talking about superconscious meditation again for spiritual uh, realization and enlightened living with swami atma vidyananda from the kriya yoga institute and i want to um let you know that if you go to csecenter.org and you um click on the uh, cultivate compassion button there on the website you'll find a 21 day program and uh 21 free uh meditation short videos to medit how to meditate uh for compassion so we invite you to join us with that remember to um Uh, share about the yoga hour with your friends through Facebook. I look forward to being with you next time. And until then, let your inner light shine in the world and remember to share your peace and your joy and your love with all that you meet. Thank you again Swami ji. It was an honor to have you, you with us today. Thank you very much. I'll be in touch with you. I'll be in touch through the email. Very good. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. How's life working for you? Would it be okay with you if it got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful, more vibrant? Join Reverend Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Spiritual Coaching, Creating a Vibrant Life. Each week, Carla visits with leading-edge coaches as they explore the sacred purpose and stunning results of this exciting and emerging coaching model. Together, they reveal the secrets and successes of this transformational process. Call in and join the discussion as Carla creates a safe and sacred space to dialogue about real life and real world transformations. That's Spiritual Coaching, Living a Vibrant Life with Reverend Carla McClellan. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Feel undervalued, disconnected, or simply overwhelmed at work or in your business? Are you trying to attract what you need but are desperately worried about cash flow? What if the problems you're experiencing aren't problems at all, but warning signals, clues to redirect? What if those clues are being obscured by your blind spots, the things you can't see that are keeping you from accomplishing your goals? Find out how you can move step-by-step beyond your blind spots each week here with Karin Pettigrew, Wednesday mornings at 9 Central Time on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 